Welcome back to the WAN Manager Podcast, the show where we talk to networking experts about the data services that make business possible. So if you heard our episode last week, you heard me and my colleague Elizabeth Thorne going through our key year in review trends for the WAN uh, at our office in DC, which was a lot of fun to be able to record in person. We had too much to cover to get to in just one episode, so we cut it in half, and I'm happy now to present to you the second half of our conversation. Enjoy. Let's talk about um, 5G, because I think that was one that, again, like SD-WAN, like SASE is becoming a thing that people have been talking about for so long, and we're, as analysts, just kind of sitting here waiting for it to happen. Right? Mm-hmm. But 2021 like was kind of an interesting year with that, right? So there's a another branch of telegeography um, over in the UK that um, kind of looks after more the consumer oriented stuff. And we're going to use that as kind of a proxy here, right? right. Um, because we, we don't have data on enterprise 5G plans, because again, it's it's pretty nascent. But what, what happened in, in the consumer uh, 5G world over the past year here? Right. Well, so uh, we have two different um, figures here, basically. One is from our sort of business broadband report. Right. Well, that would be wire, yeah, global fixed focused on the offers. enterprise. So they found yeah. that 5G went from compromising like less than 1% mm-hmm. of global wireless offerings in 2018 to almost 5% in 2021. Right. So still a small percentage of the market, but it's there. It's mm-hmm. actually there. And then, as you said, from more of our um, our global comms yeah. team, they found that um, the number of like 5G networks across the globe is expected to reach 220 by the end of 2021. So yeah. we've definitely seen um, continued growth in there in that market. And also, like in some of our interviews, we heard some sort of nascent attempts mm-hmm. at adding 5G to their network. Um, didn't always go smoothly right. um, because of silicone shortages and things like that that were going on for the past year or two. Right. Yeah. I mean, that every no matter what industry you're talking about, there was something that had a shortage uh, or couldn't get to you at any rate. So, yeah. Yeah. But I think in the next year, we, we might be able to see some of the kind of 5G use cases tested in the multinational enterprise network um, as these plans become more available. One, I guess one thing that is, um, will be interesting to see or like interesting challenge is uh, sourcing for these sorts of networks. Um, Because I did talk to one person who was like interested in, you know, adding 5G plans Mm -hmm. to their network, but they were like, well, we're like based in one country. We're based in the UK. Right. I can't, buy a residential 5g plan in like france for right. instance right you know right. so there's like this you'd either need to like go through a reseller which can mark the price up mm-hmm. um or you might need to rely on like local it staff which people may or may not have so that would yeah. be an interesting thing to see how people deal with yeah well you know I just you saying that has me thinking out loud here, which is always dangerous when you're recording it. But I, I wonder if the aggregators, the you know, experios of the world, are going to start shifting a little bit toward 5G because mm-hmm. it seems like there's a real opportunity there in terms of it being this you know market kind of like the business broadband market where you know 
broadband was out there for the past whatever 25 years or so mostly as a consumer service then they had you know you started to see ramp up on like hey we could sell this to businesses it started out with small businesses or whatever you know so again it may take some time to trickle up to the enterprise oddly enough or whatever um because you could see the use case for for you know sort of 5g as as your uh, you know, primary or, you know, secondary tertiary kind of connection before this, the small business maybe first, right. Mm -hmm. And that they're more comfortable with the, the levels of guarantee that come from a sort of consumer adjacent kind of plan. Um, but that if you didn't have to put in all of that work, if you didn't have to have people in every country that, you know, because mobile, even uh, probably more so than broadband is, is so country specific mm -hmm. because of the licenses, airwaves or whatever, you know, there, there are yeah, broad, cards. you know, there are ISPs that operate in, in many countries. There are very few mobile operators that operate in many countries. Right. And you're right. Like things like SIM cards and, and getting the equipment at the, at the office and set up, it seems like it'll be probably the pretty rare enterprise that does that themselves so it's going to need to be their carrier who's sourcing 5G from providers around the world or an aggregator who's sourcing mm -hmm. 5G from providers around the world. But I looked this up while, while you were talking and, and because I, I thought this was interesting in our in our global comms that in quarter one of 2020, we had 32 countries that had any 5G subscribers. And that was up to 68 by quarter one of 2021. Obviously, when, when we update that quarter one of 2022, I think we'll see quite a few. So, mm -hmm. so there, there are now, you know, over the period of from 2020 to, to now the end of 2021, you're adding literally hundreds of millions of, of consumer subscribers to 5G. So I think that definitely means that it's going to trickle up to, to the, to the business and then to the, to the enterprise market uh, sooner or later here. So we'll finally have something actual to talk about very soon. Right. So, definitely. yeah. All right, so we're already going a long time, but we'll wrap it up pretty quickly with just the the concerns, whether you're getting on the internet through 5G or DIA or broadband, it kind of creates some issues that didn't exist for the enterprise when they were traversing their provider's MPLS network or their provider's you know, uh, ha have an NNI with wherever they couldn't get to and, and it was their problem. So uh, what have we been thinking about in the sort of middle mile space vis-a-vis um, -vis that kind of uh, internet performance issue? Well, exactly as you said, um, going, uh, you know, incorporating internet into your network and especially once you're heading towards um, the cloud mm -hmm. uh, is a whole different beast because rather than your traffic basically staying on uh, the network of companies that you've yeah. interacted with. Yeah, and, and really going to your network, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're, if we're talking, I don't know, five or six years ago, your traffic would be going from your branch office to your headquarters where the data center mm -hmm. was and uh, the public internet or anything like that had nothing to do with it essentially, right? So Yeah, exactly. So in this case, it's like your first mile that you're trying to get to is actually the cloud providers network. So right. it's all about how you're getting there for most people, for right. a lot of people. Yeah. At, at a hyperscaler space. or a, a neutral colo um, that has that, and you have no idea how your ISP gets there. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, for some people, 
when they're looking at the middle mile, it's either, well, okay, how can I optimize this um, through like SD-WAN or it's how can I, you know, basically kind of bypass this mm -hmm. through um, sourcing transport, like for example, through network as a service vendors that have become more prevalent, such right. as Megaport, Packet Fabric, and now Equinix Fabric. Right. People are looking at um, either, you know, sort of building their own kind of um, transport services using these um, vendors that are a little more flexible in terms of their billing and procurement mm -hmm. um, and speed in terms of setting things up. Or they might be looking at uh, companies that provide a um, private network with, you know, either optimized layer three um, connectivity or like a layer two. So right. there's right. like a whole space basically that was created because the cloud service providers themselves don't actually prioritize networking mm -hmm. all that much. And so this kind of niche ecosystem of various providers has yeah. developed. And, and l let me put in a plug too for a couple more alternatives to solve that problem mm -hmm. of like what happens to my traffic between when it leaves my office and when it gets to its destination that, you know, we've talked to some enterprises say, okay, that's one of the reasons I kept MPLS on my network is that mm -hmm. where I have that sort of priority traffic, the, the reason a lot of folks are, are moving away from that is because then you're still breaking out internet traffic centrally. And so if you are connecting to your cloud provider over the internet, that, that creates problems, but there's there is a there is a there is room there from the carrier perspective for a solution that matches their internet sourcing with their MPLS and sort of more control over it. Or the other alternative that I think um, some of the folks we talk to are focused on is making sure that within each region they get a tier one kind of internet provider. Mm -hmm. Right. So a lot of the middle mile problems go away if your uh, ISP is also the backbone provider for that route. And, and, and that leads me to put in a plug for um, some, you know, telegeography's way of thinking about this, that, that, you know, we benchmark networks, not just by price, but by geography mm -hmm. and looking strategically at where your, uh, where you meet your cloud service providers on ramp locations, what the cloud regions are, and where you have your data centers in colo uh, neutral facilities and, and things like that. So that understanding that geography can sort of avoid some of these problems, uh, you know, even before you get to uh, the benefits of, of using one of these kind of alternative providers network as a service or over the top. So um, there's, there are a variety of ways of thinking about that, but I think the thing for sort of year in review of 21 to focus on is that, you know, leaving MPLS for at least a, some of your traffic is probably a very sensible thing to do in terms of cost and performance for some things, but that it may also create other problems that you need to make sure you're getting ahead of, you know. All right, exactly, because the traffic moving over the internet might be routing pretty inefficiently, mm -hmm. and it's also hard to get visibility on where exactly it's going before it gets to its final destination. Yes, exactly. And the, the thing that always gets me, and that we've heard several enterprises say this, that there's kind of two aspects of this, that you don't have the same clout with a local ISP as you do with a carrier that you're giving hundreds of millions of dollars to, right? And that even if you did, right, um, that ISP uh, may have no control over mm -hmm. what ultimately, because the traffic leaves your office uh, um, on your ISP's network, they exchange, they have an IX 
you know, in the, in the same Metro even. And from there that it's no longer their problem. Right. So, and so, um, I, I think that understanding that landscape, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, doesn't dictate sort of how you go about your sourcing because there's a lot of reasons to, to do your sourcing in various ways, but it does kind of dictate that the way that you go about your sourcing may cause you to think about some other solutions that you may need to pick up and all the trade-offs there. Local ISP is going to be very cost-effective, but then maybe you need to add on uh, an over-the-top service like uh, Teridian or Alkira or something like that um, to, to manage your traffic performance. And that still may, may make sense, but it makes the the WAN manager, IT infrastructure manager sourcing decisions kind of more complicated on that, you know. So. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Alcure. That kind of plays into another aspect of um, the kind of cloud environment that is pretty rapidly developing, which is both multi-cloud and then um, kind of cloud-to-cloud -cloud networking, mm, right. which are two mm -hmm. different similar elements that yeah. kind of get confused under the multi-cloud right. label right. at times. Right. Like when we say multi-cloud, we mean you are an enterprise who has more than one infrastructure platform as a service provider, whereas cloud to cloud means. Right. Cloud to cloud is actually connecting your disparate cloud environments together, right. which is not something that is necessarily a native capability for mm -hmm. these different well, the, the incentives aren't exactly yeah, there for them. Exactly, right? which, again, is why there's yeah. these various vendors that have appeared, mm. such as Alcura, Aviatrix is another one, where they specialize in doing like in the cloud routing, right. which is just a very new space mm. and something that I'm personally still learning about. But I think it'll become even more relevant as um, companies continue to move their workspaces into the cloud and the cloud kind of becomes the center of the network with everyone just trying right. to reach it, mm -hmm. which also is another kind of new thing, which is that some CSPs are starting to provide some backbone transport services right. under their own networks, such as the Azure Virtual WAN. Mm -hmm. um, AWS just announced one. I, I, forget, I think it's called Cloud WAN. Yeah, um, that sounds right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't necessarily talk to anyone who's actually adopted this but it is an interesting proposition of just you know your stuff so it's basically like if you're you know all of your important workspaces are already right. here just use our backbone just uh, get to, to us all of them yeah instead. right yeah, yeah exactly yeah um, the only issue i think the only hesitation with that might be a little too much vendor lock-in mm -hmm. you know right yeah yeah and um I mean, it just contributes to this idea that we've been wrestling for the last few years of like, if we're covering the WAN, what is the WAN? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and and does that dissolve into into sort of, um, uh, you know, the, the whole word cloud has always in the network space been um, a representation of things that you're just not focused on at this moment in time, right? <laughs> There's still wires and computers that someone owns, right? And so, and so it's really just a changing of like whose wires are, are you going over and what is the situation for that? But the key thing for us, I think, and for, and for the listeners really is what does it cost and, and how do you figure out how those costs are billed and all of that? And so I think that's, that's like the thing that I really want to look out for in 2022, all these network as a service models, or even directly from the CSP kind of now, those are essentially network as a service models, right. Mm -hmm. um, but, or networks as a service models coming from, from 
startup providers or, or whatever, the, the key question in them is how do you engage with them and what does it mean? <laughs> right. And, and they're still, they're still being rolled out. They're still really not serving actual customers for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. it's out there. And, yeah, it's and been so, a lot know, of this yeah. like network as a service middle mile oriented stuff. It's very nascent to the point where like, we'll get briefings on the wheel. Like, oh yeah, this is going to be out in like a year. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So, so that, that's the thing I'm, I'm really looking out for in 2022 is how, do, how does this actually go to market in terms of what kind of contract our enterprise is going to sign and with whom over the mm-hmm. next few years for, for these kinds of services? And, and does that, you know, even make the other contracts they're signing go away or is it in conjunction with that? And yeah, all, I know. mean, there's always also the possibility because a lot of these new companies are startups that they – um, might you know so right, the R&D exactly. for so the telcos and they might get who, acquired who, yeah, and this who will buys just, them yeah <laughs> that's become a, part of your it, carrier yeah ecosystem. exactly I mean it, which it would have been surprising if we had if we had made guesses about that in the SD WAN space of like you know okay so a security vendor is going to buy an SD WAN provider mm-hmm. right you know so so um, I think that's a, a great point another thing to kind of look out for as we're thinking about 2022. Of um, these these startups are probably let's face it in a lot of cases designed from the from the ground up to be purchased by a large entity, and is that going to be MSPs, carriers, vendors, you know, uh, equipment vendors, maybe you know, um, and that'll be interesting. Yeah, awesome. But yeah, you know what? Um, uh, this is great fun, Lizzie. Thank you. I'm sure we'll do this again next year. And you know, I want to hear from listeners like what was the most important thing to you guys this year. So please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, or Lizzie, you're on LinkedIn as well. Um, so, uh, and let us know what's going on there or, you know, uh, via, you can read our blogs at blog.telegeography.com mm-hmm. and, and get in touch with us um, through the contact info there. Or many of you listening are no doubt on the WAN forum where you can get on the forum itself powered by Circle, right? It's um, kind of a uh, social media sort of thing. So feel free to pop in there and tell us what you thought the most important things are. I think we'll try to distill this conversation into an analysis piece, mm-hmm. uh, 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 analysis piece um, in in the, uh, the members only section of the forum as well so we can... Um, hopefully hear from some of you on that. And with that, Lizzie, I think we're getting close to holiday party time. Yeah. All right. Let's go get some sushi and drinks and stuff. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks very much for listening. The WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com, where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day.